0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast daily. I'm Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. Uh, Austin Ward is uh, wrangling snakes in Texas still. I don't know what that's about. That is a real message he sent us, by the way. That is not a joke. He said, can't join the podcast. I'm at a snake farm. And we just kind of let that slide. A little disappointed in us, Berm. I don't know why we let that slide because that's not a normal thing that someone says to another person.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to go with that. So I just figured it would be better off to just say, you know what? Me and Bill will handle this episode of the podcast. Daily Austin travels back. To the great Midwest uh, on Monday afternoon. He'll join us on Tuesday when we do Rooster Show this week, which is on Tuesday this week, not Monday. Um, But yeah, I mean, once you say I'm at a snake farm, I guess, like, I don't even, I didn't even know there were snake farms. Uh, But also, I don't know why you would want there to be a snake farm. So the whole combination, the whole conversation feels off to me, and I'm not into it at all.
0: He's having uh, yeah, a strange weekend. You Know who had a good weekend, burn The Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: it's what you wanted, right? Here you are. I, I talked last week about Ohio State on the recruiting trail, um, heading into the June sixteenth weekend, as sort of long shot weekend, um, and this weekend, the June twenty third official visit weekend, which only had seven players come into town, was sort of a lock it down weekend for Ohio State in a lot of ways. You had Three in-state players who uh, had not committed: Bryce West, Demarion Witten, and Aaron Scott. You had uh, Miles Lockhart, a cornerback from Arizona, who had been leaning towards the Buckeyes for a long time. Did not take any other official visits at all. Um, you had Justin Scott, the number one ranked defensive tackle in the country. You have Peyton Pierce, um, the you know uh, an Ohio State commitment from Texas, and you had Kingston Vianulasa. A linebacker from California who was the first player that Ohio State offered in the class of 2024. Period. So it's a lot of longtime uh, prospects. A lot of guys they've been recruiting really hard for a long time, and saw some instant results with two commitments on Saturday from Bryce Weston to Marion Witten, the Cleveland Glenville duo. Not a surprise, Bill, in a lot of ways, but still, like that's what you have to win if you're Ohio State, uh, and you need those, you know, grown grown men. To, to make those grown <laughs>
0: men decisions. I I was going to ask at some point if we wanted to talk about uh, Vince Marrow being a scumbag. But we can do that now if you want to. <laughs> I just I just don't understand really what's
1: happening in this in this business altogether. The the things that we watched over this weekend surrounding those two commitments and just the general vibe that you get from Here's the thing. I I I know I'm jumping around thought to thought. Like I have no problem acknowledging that I grew up an Ohio State fan, and tacitly still would consider myself an Ohio State fan, but I go way out of my way to make sure that my work is never viewed or tinted or tainted by the fact that I have a personal affinity for the program that I cover. Uh, I hope I do a good job with that. Um, Most of the time, I think, actually have gained a reputation in the last few years as being a negative uh, about (laughs) Ohio State recruiting, which is shocking to me. Um, but the fact is, what we see right now happening in this world of of recruiting media is everyone's turned into a giant fanboy. And it is weird to watch because a a method and an approach that five years ago was viewed as being like, you know, you're not allowed to do this is now everyone's approach. And I just don't get it,
0: Bill. It hurts my feelings. The thing about it that bothers me, and I think the thing that you do the best job of if i can give you a compliment is is that you don't like <clears throat> i don't think you go overboard and celebrating the wins for ohio state either but i think the thing you do best which I, I i feel like i see more and more is uh reporters particularly recruiting writers cover one team like criticizing or subtweeting or like dissing in some way a kid's decision because they didn't pick the school that you cover like can we be adults <laughs> this this is the the biggest one of the biggest decisions that kid will make in his life it should only be a celebration if you're not happy about it just shut up move on to the next one there's other kids to cover i don't know why we need to offer an opinion on on every recruiting decision if you're unhappy with the result and your team didn't get the kid just go about your day go look at the other kids that your team might get i don't i don't really understand the 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 increase with which i'm seeing people kind of nag um these kids who pick the schools that they don't want them to pick it's it's really kind of frustrating and At the risk of sounding more like a Homer here than I normally, you know,
1: get accused of being, I think the entire Ohio State recruiting media beat does a really good job of being level-headed and professional and, and not being outwardly um, like rooting or tr- or trying to put across a rooting interest in a kid's recruitment. Um, and what you see like are more and more. Media members who cover teams on the recruiting side are being very much used by mm-hmm. the schools that they are covering to either promote a message or to um, try to create social media intrigue or stir up drama for uh, in a kid's decision um, or being used to intentionally obfuscate information. Or it's just so weird how this has now become not just. Uh, a part of, of what's happening, but almost like the norm. And and it is shocking, um, but we shouldn't let that cloud the conversation about Demarion Witten and Bryce West, who obviously had uh, a big weekend. And it's funny, Bryce actually told me back in April that he was ready to make a decision, and he knew he was going to Ohio State and asked me at that time if I could work up a graphic for him and all that stuff, so I did that back then. And then it, like... Grinding halt again, like slow down, way, way, way down. And then all of a sudden, the last few weeks, there was a lot of talk about Michigan. Kind of felt like it was somewhat genuine. I mean, I, I don't think that he had a, a plan to come across like he was trolling Michigan or anything in the last few weeks. The relationship with Steve Clinkscale, the defensive backs coach there, was very genuine. Um, and I think that, you know, in a different world where Ohio State wasn't Ohio State, he may very well have ended up at Michigan. Um, but... The DeMarion Witten recruitment, you know, this is a kid who had only a handful of, of teams really recruiting him very hard, which is not because he's not talented, but just because he's a tweener and we don't know how he fits into the offense anywhere. And the only other official visit he took was to Kentucky. And I think that Vince Marrow believed that he had done enough work to lock up that commitment and may have even been told that he had a commitment three weeks ago. That's very possible because. A lot of these kids and their families don't know exactly how to say no when they're being pressured into something or when you're on campus and you're being told how great you are. And, you know, those visits are meant to be extremely special and, and full of, of, you know, good things. But I think that response from Marrow, I mean... Can you do you have the tweet pulled up, or can you just read it for people so they about? And I want to be very clear. I believe like he might have gotten married on Saturday, or was at a wedding on Saturday, according to his Twitter. So clearly, this message was sent out with a little bit of alcohol probably in the system. Yeah. This happens what an hour after Damarion Witten uh, tweeted out his commitment to Ohio State. Please just read this 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 tweet from a grown man
0: yeah vince marrow the tight ends coach of kentucky i got the target i wanted this there's there's no punctuation by the way i got the target i wanted this is sec ball and we got an sec grown man go big blue grown spelled g-r-o-a-n we got an s and and sec grown man
1: not and like i'm not i'm not trying to be the grammar police but if you're a coach and you, he's an influential guy in Ohio Vince Mero has done yes, a lot of good recruiting in the state of Ohio that is so petty that I don't really understand like ever seeing a coach do that I don't think I've ever but to do that on a day when I believe he was getting married on Saturday if I could be wrong either way he was at a wedding for a family member because he was tweeting about it earlier in the day it's just so unbecoming and I, I would but for a guy who's made a, a reputation recruiting Ohio very, very well, it seems like a, a weird risk to take in order to clown on a kid who I mean and, and, and the biggest problem for me is that it makes the commitment that they got of Willie Rodriguez on Friday at Kentucky a pretty good tight end in his own right like makes it, it almost like belittles that decision because if, if that was the guy you wanted, you don't need to say anything right. at all.
0: Yeah you, know, you just let, let it go. Yeah, it does take away from it a little bit. I guess like not not to belabor a point that doesn't matter all that much, I guess, to Ohio State. But but I will say, like I, I actually went down the Kentucky um this was a long time ago. This is after Ohio State's national championship season. Myself and my former co-worker Ari Wasserman were going to a bunch of different places. And one of the places we went to was Kentucky because we wanted to do a story on Mark Stoops and kind of them coming into Ohio. And we spent time in Vince Marrow's office. And I was like very impressed then with his demeanor and his approach, which was like, we're not going to be afraid of Ohio state. Like we're going to go after the same kids that Ohio state does. And like, I respected that. And like their board was full of guys that Ohio state had on their board and guys, frankly, that Kentucky probably wasn't going to get, but I still respected the approach and, and the hustle and and the um, desire to want to win those battles and then like to lose one and then act that way. (laughs) It's just like, come on, man, like either be what you say you are or, or, or don't, I don't know. I was just, I was very disappointed in it because like, we're like it's college football. It's not the most serious thing in the world, but like that was a, a young man making a a, a life changing decision, and for him to kind of crap all over it from his position of power, I just thought was very unbecoming,
1: in, incredibly off putting. And again, I I don't want this episode to go off the rails, even though a lot of them tend to do that. But Ann Witten, six foot three, two hundred and five pound athlete. I don't exactly, I didn't know really where he would fit into the Ohio State offense. Three weeks ago, when and then two weeks ago, we saw him at camp, and he was really, really good. Ran a four, five, six, caught everything. I, coming out of that camp, I still don't know where he fits into the Ohio State offense down the road, but I do know that he's athletically gifted enough to be on that roster and to make a difference somewhere. The comparison that I wrote about at ohiostate.rivals.com um, is, is maybe Noah Brown. The body type, I think you could see getting the same. If, if Demarian hits 225-230, I think it's a very fair comparison. If he gets a little taller, I, I think that there's a case to be made that he could be like a Marcus Baugh type of tight end, um, who was never the most physical blocker, but you know got better and bigger as he grew through his Ohio State career and ended up being a pretty good pass catcher. Still playing professional football, not in the NFL, but still playing professional ball um, and getting you know getting paid to play football, which is the goal. But what did you think of Witten when you saw him at that camp? Because I know you had you'd never seen
0: him really before. So what yeah. was your your take? Um, it's, it's an, it's an interesting like body type for the position. I don't, I knew that he wasn't like six, five, but I didn't know that he was like only 200 pounds. And when you look at him, there's just, it's, it's hard to project him putting on like, I don't know, 40 pounds of becoming a guy like Mitch Rossi. Like, I just, I just don't think that's there. I do think a Bigger bodied receiver like you're describing, and Noah Brown, like maybe like a a G Scott of G, maybe we're 10 to 15 pounds lighter than he is right now. Um, I still think a guy like that can be utilized as a tight end. I, I I think it's kind of fascinating. Um, I think we've seen Ohio State's defense flirt a little bit with the idea of like positionless football, but not so much the offense. And I and I wonder if maybe Demario Witten can be someone who is a little bit of a float player and is a little bit positionless once he gets to the college level and develops a little bit physically.
1: Yeah, and he's commitment number two at tight end for Keenan Bailey in the class of 2024. So you're talking about a first-time tight ends coach. Ohio State has had two tight ends committed last summer uh, with Ty Lockwood and and Jelani Thurman. That lasted for about a week before Lockwood flipped to Alabama after Jelani committed. Uh, I don't expect there to be any similar uh theatrics this year with Max LeBlanc the uh, Tennessee tight end by way of Montreal Canada like I think you'll see both those guys end up signing in this class and they are very different body types so when you look at taking two tight ends LeBlanc is a six foot five 230 pound kid who is a a pass catcher he doesn't do a lot of blocking now either so the the work is going to be there for for Keenan Bailey and the Buckeyes to get both those guys to learn how to block but I think in an ideal situation you'd have one that was a bit more of a physical inline tight end and one that was more of a split end pass catching type and you're going to get two pass catchers at, out of this class but that is what Ohio State wants to protect you know use the the tight end position for down the road is to have it be a threat in the passing game and be able to help in the in the run blocking game and um but body wise I think you're right when you look at Witten like there that frame is pretty thin. And it is going to be a challenge, I think, to
0: get him to to 235, 240, like G Scott is. Yeah, if you have if you have those two guys in LeBlanc and Witten on on the heels of Jelani Thurman, and then after and Bennett Christian before that, yeah. So I think. I think the room itself will have enough of what you're looking for from a physicality standpoint. And it's nice to have different shapes and sizes. I guess it might put an onus on Keenan Bailey to find some bigger body dudes in the next class after he signs these two. But, um, I find it more interesting than I do concerning the fact that they have two tight ends who are kind of different molds, maybe from, from what they've had here recently. I think, I think it could be fun the way they try to use them. Um, So Bryce West commits like a huge deal. I think there were a lot of people who were nervous about that. Um, for all the Michigan stuff that you said earlier, it sounds like they came out of the weekend in a good spot with Miles Lockhart as well. The third cornerback, Aaron Scott, was there. Like how, not just because of the Michigan stuff that's there with Aaron Scott, but but even if that didn't exist, like how imperative is it in your mind that they end up signing all three of the cornerbacks that were in town over the weekend?
1: I see. It's this weird back and forth because the, one of the main things that Michigan is selling Aaron Scott on is the idea that they have a clear path to playing time in Ann Arbor and that the Ohio State cornerback room is is much too crowded. Um, and if that were the case, I don't think you'd see Ohio State trying to sign four cornerbacks in the class of 2024. So I, I think that the two interests are obviously competing with one another. Um, Aaron Scott is a much more lengthy... Outside corner who is going to be that man-to-man guy that Ohio State needs in the program, the more of the Davis and Igbenosin type, less of the Denzel Burke, who is a fine corner in his own right, but potentially maybe seems like he'd be a little bit more comfortable in zone type of coverages. Ohio State wants to have man corners. You've got Hancock. You've got Igbenosin. But beyond those two, there aren't any other really on the roster that have played any football. Obviously, the hope is that Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt can be those guys, but that's why it's so vital. And then you throw on top of that the idea that you could potentially lose the number one ranked corner in the state, according to some folks. Number two, according to other folks, him and Bryce West are pretty much interchangeable in their ranking. But losing them to Michigan would be a a real shot across the bow. The, The Jordan Marshall recruitment... Stung a lot of people, um, and I understand why, but it was such a different recruitment in that Ohio State was late getting to that party, and they knew it. They knew they were trying to play catch-up, but they also never went like crazy, crazy all-in because they thought they had time to get back into it. With Aaron Scott, like they have been at the top of this list for a long time. They offered him early. They have prioritized him, and to potentially lose an in-state player to Michigan – in that in that position uh, would would feel a little bit different I think than the Jordan Marshall. That doesn't mean they couldn't replace him with a, a, a really good player like Ohio State did when it came to James Peoples and Jordan Lyle committing after Jordan Marshall went to um, Michigan but you know there is like Kobe Black the five-star corner from Texas who Ohio State's very high on and, and they think that he's very high on them as well. So we'll see exactly how that all plays out but they'd much rather just have the kids from Ohio. If you offer a kid in Ohio, it's because you realize that 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 spot needs that kid from Ohio. So you yeah. losing him would not be good. Uh, to go back to your previous point on Keenan Bailey and the tight end room, that's why a player like Luca Gilbert in the class of twenty twenty five from the six foot seven, two hundred and forty pounds. Right now, like that's where if you're looking for that counter balance, you know that that's where you'd find a player like that really fitting in with. This tight end class of, of smaller pass catchers.
0: Yeah, he worked out uh, last week, a week before. I can't remember, but he's he's a really impressive looking kid for for being the age that he is. So you can definitely see see the vision there with him. Um, I don't. I. It's interesting to me that like Michigan can sell Aaron Scott on earlier playing time. Like if you look at the depth charts, they they can. Um, but like Ohio State is going to need to replenish its room too, and I think Ohio State. Granted, it was what two or three coaching stabs ago, but um, there's a track record here of playing a bunch of good corners. So I, I, at the same time. So I think that's probably a good uh, arrow in Ohio state's quiver too, as it tries to win that battle. Like I, I, we talked about this when Austin and I did the cornerback breakdown. And part of that is like what, what the future of the position looks like. And um, I said at that time that I know that there were some concern about both Bryce West and Aaron Scott, that I didn't have as, as much as I felt like maybe that the public at large had because every time I talk to you, you seem a little more calm about it. And and I'm not trying to put you on the spot and hold you to a prediction right now, but just like how, how do you feel about the Aaron Scott recruitment in particular coming out of this weekend?
1: I talked to Aaron at the Rivals Camp Series in Cincinnati at the end of April, and when I left that meeting with him, I wrote about it at ohiostate.rivals.com, and I said I – and I talked about it on talking stuff, like something just didn't feel as good as you'd want it to feel. But it's also maybe a situation where Aaron Scott isn't that comfortable talking to everyone. And so maybe he comes off a little bit um, closed off to people, or maybe he's not opening up to everyone. There is a weird split in the vibe when it comes to the Ohio state, like opinion on Aaron Scott the people that really matter feel pretty good about where things are with Aaron Scott heading into the next 10 days where he's likely to make a decision. The people that are in the periphery are on the periphery of the recruitment don't really get a good sense of where things are because he doesn't open up and, and talk to us. He's a little bit aloof, and that's different personality-wise. So um, they're is no doubt Michigan is a, is a real player in this. I think there's a chance that he could end up at Michigan, but I believe still that he will pick Ohio State, and you know we're going to find out within the next 10 days, I assume, almost certainly. So um, the Buckeyes, I think, just want to have an answer one way or the other because if he does decide he, he wants to go uh, to Ann Arbor and play for the Wolverines, they need to circle the wagons and figure out what to do next. So... Uh, out of respect for everyone involved in the process. I think most people are glad it's coming to an end. Um, and kudos to Steve Klinkscale and Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan staff. They've done a great job making him feel like he needs to tread his own path and, and get on on his own. So that's that's their job. It's not negative recruiting. It, it is weird to – I don't know. I've never really been a believer in telling kids, uh, you you can play sooner here than there. Like if, if a kid is being recruited by Ohio State or Michigan, he's good enough to play anywhere. early so that's just my personal vibe on it but we'll see uh i know that the ohio state opinions like i said they vary but the people who truly matter and are, are more directly involved in the recruitment don't seem to be panicking uh and the people on the periphery seem to feel like they that it's heading the wrong direction so i i don't know which one to make uh which one to believe
0: I'm sure uh, I'm sure you and Andrew will, will put a, a tighter bow on what was the uh, an important month of June for Ohio State but this is it right like they're, they're, they're dead period now right this is the last big official visit weekend
1: Yeah they have a couple days left that are still live but the, the, for all intents and purposes they're they're done they'll take a couple days off and and get ready for uh, July vacations for everyone um, I think Ohio State what'll be interesting to watch is over the next couple weeks a number of guys are gonna make their decisions. Miles um, Lockhart, who you mentioned, is announcing on July 6th. I think that one will go Ohio State's way. There's an expectation that Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Baltimore area, who had long been in Ohio State lean, but then announced on Sunday or, or told reporters on Sunday that Florida State was now the top team in his his recruitment with a decision on July 4th. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of things happening. Kingston Viamuasa will, you know, could make a decision in the near future, um, and, and then. Uh, Jeremiah McClellan, wide receiver from, from Maryland or sorry, Missouri. Like there's a lot of things happening, but I think what's interesting is that a year ago, Ohio state in July opted not to do like the get together weekend at the end of the month. Like a lot of schools are doing now because there is a couple day open period uh, uh, at the end of July before the season starts. And they chose not to do it last year because they had the Notre Dame game on September 1st and, They wanted as many people at that game as possible, so they didn't want recruits to have to choose between coming to campus at the end of July or coming to campus at the 1st of September. This year, there isn't a marquee home game until, like, October. (laughs) Um, So I think that the Buckeyes will probably have a barbecue or a cookout or some game day-type experience for everyone at the end of July. So this is, you know... The next couple of weeks are are results oriented and and then you start the process really again with a huge weekend at the end of July. I think
0: will be the will likely goal. we going to catch an invite to the barbecue, or we don't get invited to barbecues. well, no. if I had a barbecue, I'd invite Ohio State. I'm just putting that, that putting that out there yeah, yeah I mean maybe if if we just behaved a little different on
1: social media, we could start getting invites to the barbecues yes, I don't know uh, maybe <laughs> we just need to be
0: more. No, mean <laughs> spreading. spreading the good news. I don't know. Yeah. Like, do whatever we got to do. No, I think I think we strike a good balance here. Uh, all right, up, we'll wrap.
1: I, I admit <laughs> I'm a homer, and yet I'm negative. Like I don't even understand it.
0: I think yeah, uh, but I think if you get that kind of reaction, but know in your heart that you're not that way, then you then it means you think you're doing things the right way. I think I think there. I, I mean, think, it's, it's a it's balanced coverage you get from Jeremy Birmingham uh, here on the podcast at OhioStateRivals dot uh that'll wrap up the monday episode of the daily as berm said earlier uh we'll be at roosters on tuesday this week instead of instead of later this afternoon uh Austin ward will be back uh from his time away with his family and we'll have some more podcast dailies coming at you later this week until then thanks for listening